Well, good morning. Glad to see all, all of you here. Uh, we're going to continuing the message series called Why Worry, uh, like Ben mentioned. And my thought is, it's a new year. I mean, what do we have to worry about? Right? It's like, Happy New Year. There's like not a care in the world. But if you're like me, it's like there's this like vortex between Christmas, New Year's, and it's just like, you know, everything's good with life. It's like the season where, you know, you just eat what you want and you do what you want and just, you know, it's Christmas. And then like New Year's Eve is that like last thing that you hold on to. And, you know, you're, you're staying up late and you're just like, this is, this is so fun. There's not a care in the world and I'm not worried about anything. And then if you're like me, you get older and you're like, why am I staying up this late? So the vortex, like by like 1157, there's not a care in the world. 1205, I'm concerned because I've got three young kids and they don't get the memo that late night means sleep late. They think late night means still wake up the same time. There's just this time of year, even now in the new year, where it's kind of like a fresh start. You, you think, oh, I'm going to get to these goals that I have. I'm going to get to what I want. And then like January 13th comes and you're like, man, when is it Christmas again? Am I the only one? It's like you love it. It's here and then it's gone. You're like the new year. Why aren't you guys just so pumped for this morning? Didn't I just set that up beautifully? Like just, all right, this is depressing. But that's kind of how it is. It's like we always look forward to things in life. At least I do like seasons like Christmas is one of those things. And you get so excited about it and then it's done. And then you're like, well, what do I do now? You know, you put the decorations out, you know, away and you try to get started. And the anxieties that you have are still there. The pressures from work as you get back into it are still there. Uh, your concerns with your family, your concerns with what you face in your life, uh, they're still there. And worry is something that we all deal with. And we've been talking about that over the last few months is how do we deal with it? How do we deal with this thing that just causes tremendous pressure onto us, that enters our minds, that concerns us, that consumes us. And what we find is as you look into the scriptures, Jesus saw that worry is something that the people that he was relating to were very concerned with. And it's the same with us today. It's just a part of life. Anxiety, the pressures that we face, it's a part of life. And over the last few weeks or months, I should say, what we've been doing is looking at what Jesus has to say about worry and, and how do we focus on the right things in the midst of it? How do we think differently? How do we actually deal with it? So the burden that it is on us doesn't weigh us down to the point where we waste our life. And so before we dig in, I wanted just to review if you, this is your first time being uh, at the Alhambra campus and this is the first message you've heard, I just want to give you a little bit of a background of what we've been talking about related to Jesus' view on worry. The first thing that we looked at, uh, the first message in this series, series is that prayer is the antidote to the poison of worry. While we all face it, while we all face different pressures and anxieties, God wants to enter the equation by allowing us to communicate with him. And that's prayer. And poison, like it sounds, is just something that destroys you from the inside out. And that's what worry does. But prayer is our connection by turning that over to him and bringing God into what we face. Uh, the next week, what we looked at is being rich in good works uh, and generosity is the key uh, to building worry-free treasures. Really, how to, how to build the right treasure so it, it's not destroyed. 
like when we're done in this life, that something actually outlives us. And we're concerned with that, like the legacy that we're going to leave. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And then the last time we met, we talked about that, how the object of our devotion, like what we focus on, actually uh, impacts how much anxiety uh, we experience in life. And I talked about that we worry about what we care about. Right? You don't worry about things that you have no concern with. You're not worried that my kids on New Year's Eve stay up late and wake up early on New Year's Day. Those are my kids. But you care what's going on with your kids. And there's things that are going on in their life that you're probably concerned about. You may even be anxious about. You're probably not too worried about my work. But you're probably worried about yours. And so we worry about what we are concerned about. This week, we're going to turn the corner. We're going to still dig into some of Jesus' perspective, but actually talk about ambition and worry. And so I'm going to read through a chunk of scripture. You can follow along on the screens there. But reading it all together as one passage, I think is helpful to kind of get the flavor of what Jesus is saying. So here's this picture. He's teaching to these crowds that have followed. They've heard about this man called Jesus, that he has this perspective that they've never heard of. He has these ideas that are counterintuitive to them, and he's gathering this huge crowd. And as Jesus has been talking about, these are the attitudes that you're supposed to have. This is how you're supposed to treat people. What he realizes is, while I'm saying that, I'm looking out at all these people, and they're so concerned with just the daily necessities of life that all my teaching, while it's, it's different to them, and while they may appreciate it, they have other concerns going on. And so he addresses the concerns. And this is where we find help, because although Jesus and God are this almighty being, God is the creator of the world. He sent his son to relate to us, to come to this earth. He sees what we're dealing with. And so that is true. While his his almightiness is true and his power is true, he sees that we actually have things that are really concerning us. And so I want to read what he says to these people. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now, that's like a major piece of American consumerism, right? Food and clothing. What are the commercials that you've looked at recently? Food and clothing and maybe like a car in there. This is a very concern. It's hard to realize what Jesus says here, but isn't life more than that? I mean, you turn on the TV, you're like, I'm not sure because that Lexus looks good with that bow on it. Or at least that McDonald's McRib. I know there's some McRib lovers out there. Then he says this, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? 
Oh, you of little faith. I'm going to stop right there before I continue. So he's seeing all these needs that are, that people are worried about. Like, okay, Jesus, you've been teaching for a really long time and this is great, but like, we're kind of hungry. And like, this is great. But like, as I was climbing, hiking up to this hill to listen to you, I like ripped my tunic. What am I going to do about that? And Jesus is saying, okay, I see what you're concerned with. I see the, the things that you guys are talking about amongst yourselves. Like, Hey, this is like really cool, like teaching, but like, where's the food? And we're getting kind of tired. Like, where's the refreshments? And Jesus pulls the curtain back and says, you know, there's something, there's something bigger going on. And he actually attributes it to faith. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. He says, oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. So God actually knows what we need. He knows what we don't have. He knows what we want, what we don't have. He knows these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, there is a lot of stuff that's going on in this teaching that Jesus gave to this multitude of people. And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, The first thing is what he's addressing is that worry is a preoccupation with tomorrow, often fueled by materialism. That's what he's saying in 25. Do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, about your body. Uh, Isn't your life more important than these things? Than food, than clothing. Therefore, do not be anxious about these things. Uh, The definition of materialism is a preoccupation or an emphasis on material. Don't you love definitions like that? Materialism is like wanting materials. Like, yes. But then it went further and it says emphasis on materials, objects, comforts and considerations with a disinterest in or rejection of spiritual, intellectual or cultural values. There's this thing of you have certain needs that you want. And there's just these things that you think you need. You want them and you want to get everything aligned so you can get what that is. It's to the disinterest of other values. That's what materialism is. Uh, in the, the society of this time, this was a hand to mouth culture. People didn't know where the next meal was going to be coming from. People didn't know uh, if if their clothes got messed up, if their kids uh, teeth were messed up. They, they didn't know how any of this stuff was going to work out. So it was like a day to day Uh, issues with just the daily necessities for us. It may not be that extreme in America. We're not concerned about three meals, right? We're considered, you know, we're concerned about fourth meal. You know, the Taco Bell commercial, like fourth meal. What, what a beautiful thing. It's like the time between dinner and breakfast. That's what we're concerned about. So it's a little bit different. We're not saying, what are we going to eat? We're saying, how are we going to eat between that meal and that meal? That's what we're concerned about. But the, the attention that we give it, it's still the same. Like, what am I going to do with my, my retirement? What am I going to do with kids in college? Like, how are they going to afford that? How am I going to get a job? How am I going to deal with the conflict that I face at work? 
What am I do? Because I have this idea of where I'd be and I'm not there. So how do I make up the time? Same concerns. Same focus. We're trying to figure out how all this is going to work out and we we don't know. And so what Jesus is doing is he's saying, I, I know that you guys are concerned about this. I know. I know exactly what's going on with all of you. But he asked the question that I read and it's, how does this benefit you? How does it add effectiveness to your life? How does it bring momentum to what you do? How does it help you? And the answer that Jesus says is, is it doesn't help at all. In fact, he says, while worry takes much energy and time, it's counterproductive. If we can actually really understand that, our thoughts would be very different. Our time would be spent very differently. Worry takes much energy and time, but it's, it's counterproductive. That's verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Uh, that, that word and that phrase, while worry takes much energy, the key is their energy. We're talking about ambition and worry. And the definition of ambition is this. An earnest desire for some type of achievement or distinction. An earnest desire. This, you, you want this. There's something that you want in your life and you're going to go after it with everything that you have. But there's a, a secondary flavor to that definition. And that's an energy. Ambition is actually an energy that you give to something. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Ambition and energy, everything that you put to make something happen. What Jesus is trying to do is he's saying, I know these things are a great concern to you. And these are stresses. And these are things that your friends are asking you about. Your wife is asking you about. You're asking your kids and they're asking you. And there's all this concern about how stuff's going to work out. And no one has the answers. And what Jesus is saying is not just about the concerns. It's about the energy you're spending Thinking about those things. So really, for the rest of our time, we're going to be talking about two separate ambitions that we need, that we choose in life. That put us in completely different destinations. And when I say ambition, think in your head, energy. There's two different types of way that you will spend your energy. Now, depending on your wiring... You may be a high energy person. Like you wake up like I am ready for the day. I'm ready to engage in people. I'm just I'm fired up. I'm more like that. There's some of you that are like, I just want to stay in bed all day. I don't want to talk to people. And I want to shut my door. And you can't even knock. But even people that are extroverted or introverted, you still have energy. You actually have the same energy. It's just what you focus on, what you value. It's not just talking about personality. It's really what you dedicate your thoughts to. We all have thoughts. We all have things that are concerning us. So what Jesus is doing in this passage is he's actually putting a boundary on what success is. For most of us, our view of success is whatever we think is important. We define it ourselves. Success is designed, defined by us. 
And we have input from people, from our parents. We have input from our friends. We have input from our culture. But we define success and, and we are determined to meet that. What Jesus is saying is, you know, here's your view of success and the energy you're spending on it. I'm going to turn that world upside down a little bit. And I'm going to show you a new way. I'm going to show you a new definition of success. So that's what we're going to be talking about the rest of the time. Um, I wanted to show a clip from a movie called Up in the Air. Uh, George Clooney uh, is a man who life goal is to gain as many airline miles as possible. He actually wants to get 10 million miles. And in getting 10 million miles, he gets this like executive status where, you know, whichever airport he goes to, like he's the man, you know, you get to wear a crown and they put red carpet and you're just it's awesome. And uh, what he the, the clip I'm going to show is he's talking about to pursue that goal of being in an airplane for your entire life. Pretty much you have to have a certain view of things. So I want to show you this clip because what tends to happen is as we think about materialism and the things that we focus on, some of us are just like, I just don't want to worry about any of that. And we just think that there's a nothingness that exists. So let's watch this clip and then we'll talk a little bit about it. How much does your life weigh? Imagine for a second that you're carrying a backpack. I want you to feel the straps on your shoulders. You feel them? I want you to pack it with all the stuff that you have in your life. You start with the little things, the things on shelves, and the drawers, the knickknacks, the collectibles. Feel the weight as that adds up. You start adding larger stuff. Clothes, tabletop appliances, lamps, Linens, your TV. Backpack should be getting pretty heavy now. You go bigger. Your couch, bed, your kitchen table. You stuff it all in there. Your car, get it in there. Your home, whether it's a studio apartment or a two-bedroom house. I want you to stuff it all into that backpack. Now try to walk. It's kind of hard, isn't it? This is what we do to ourselves on a daily basis. We weigh ourselves down until we can't even move. And make no mistake, moving is living. Now, I'm going to set that backpack on fire. What do you want to take out of it? Photos? Photos are for people who can't remember. Drink some ginkgo and let the photos burn. In fact, let everything burn and imagine waking up tomorrow with nothing. It's kind of exhilarating, isn't it? Then that just kind of sound, wow, that, that's right. Let's like let's burn it all. Let's empty the backpack. And then you realize like, well, what does that leave you with? And in George Clooney's character's case, it leaves him with the, the maximum amount of time to fly on planes anywhere he wants. But our, my life's not like that. There's actually things that I do need to take care of. There's actually things that I do need to be concerned with because... They're responsibilities that I have. So the energy, we just don't zap away and it doesn't exist anymore and there's a nothingness. It's actually using our energy for the right purposes. So the question I want to ask you, and we're going to dig in a little bit more, is 
What will you use your energy for? What will your ambition be all about? Where are you headed? Why are you headed there? And then how do you know if that's the right way? These are all the questions that that Jesus is asking. And it's basically, are you headed to the kingdom of God, which is an ambition in itself to do life God's way? Or are you building your own kingdom? Where all your energy is focused on that. Uh, I want to give like an illustration from my own life because this is a little bit counterintuitive. Because it seems like to get what you need, you have to focus on what you need. Right? If you need something, you focus on it and then it comes to fruition. Mission accomplished. What Jesus is saying is this is actually upside down. It's counterintuitive. When you focus on all these material objects that you long for and you don't have and you really want... And when you focus on the future and you don't know how it's going to happen, you want to control things you can't control, you actually end up empty. You don't get what you want. The very thing that you think by focusing on is going to happen, it doesn't happen. This is a fact of life. Jesus is saying is if you actually focus on doing life my way, I will give you exactly what you need. Because remember what we read earlier? He knows exactly. He knows what we're concerned about. So in my own life, this is the picture. It's like walking into an all-you-can-eat buffet. I don't know if you guys are buffet people, but there's like this experience that I have every time I go to a buffet. And that is, I've spent money for an all-you-can-eat experience. That means I am going to do that. All I can eat. That's why they wash so many plates and they're kind of wet when you pick them up. Because they want that flow. You, you know, you, you got to get the, like the ribs and then the fried chicken and then the rice pudding. And you put it all together. Because that's the experience of an all-you-can-eat buffet. So you go in there and you kind of see this and there's this pressure. Like I have to consume every aspect of the, you know, they have the themes like the Indian. You've got the Chinese. You've got the American. You've got the ice cream bar. You've got the Sundays. And then all of a sudden there's like cotton candy machine. And you're thinking, I'm going to experience every part of this. Because this is an all-you-can-eat buffet. That's what I paid for. And there's this pressure to just consume it all. And then there's that part in which you look at the people you're with. Hopefully you're with people because if you're by yourself, you're really into it. But you look around, you're like, dude, why did I do that? And you leave and you go home and you're just like walking to your car. and you're just, I got my money's worth, but I want a refund. Right. You know that feeling like that? That's kind of what Jesus is talking about. It's this thing of, it seems like there's just, you have to buy up all this stuff. You just have to get plate after plate after plate after plate after plate because you can. And you can load it up on your tray and it's, you're just trying to hold it. And then you leave and you're like, well, that, I feel disgusting. And then three hours later, you're kind of hungry again. <laughs> it's just me, right? It's like three hours later, you're like, but dude, that buffet was kind of good. And you forgot. But what Jesus is talking about is, is the, the difference of a, an all-you-can-eat buffet and, and, and this idea of like a home-cooked, be, a home-cooked meal. Somebody that, that knows what you like, they know who you are, and they make this meal cater to you. And it, it, it's not going to have like probably rice pudding, ribs, and fried chicken, unless that's really what you love. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to have what, what you want, and it's going to be satisfying, and you eat it, and you're like, wow. That was really great, not just because of what I ate, but because of the person who made it. And there's this feeling you have that that's what Jesus is talking about. 
It's bigger than just consumerism. It actually has meaning. And I like food, so that makes complete sense to me. If you're not a buffet person, you're like, what is he talking about? Your next step this week is go to a buffet. And they'd be like, oh, I get it. Okay. Not really, but kind of. Um, <laughs> let's move on. So we get, we get our needs taken care of as God transforms what we live for. Worry doesn't add effectiveness to our life. It doesn't add any time to our life. It actually happens as we transform what we live for. And the transformation occurs, first off, because of his love, because of God's love and how much value we have. We cannot transform ourselves. He does it. He changes us from the inside out. And I'll read this again. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, of, are you not of more value than they? It's a great question. The birds are taken care of. The grass, the lilies are taken care of. Are you not more valuable than they? So what God is doing is, in Jesus' teaching here, he's basically saying that if the creation, the animals, the birds, the fields, if they're okay, why are you not okay? And I'd be like the cynical person in the crowd, like, yeah, but do they have like a hut they have to pay for? Right? Like, what about my mortgage? What about my job? And he, but what he's saying is, is the, the way that I take care of them is on such a magnificent level. And they're animals. I will take care of you in the same way, but even more. Trust me in this. And then he talks about the lilies of the field uh, in verse 28, 29. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of, one of these. He's talking about Solomon, who was the king that had really anything he wanted. Any material he wanted, he, he had it. Palaces, friends, bands that played for him wherever he went. He had it. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, verse 30, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So again, it's because of his love and how much value we have. So what Jesus is saying is, I know I'm asking you to give your energy to the kingdom that I'm trying to build. And I'm asking you to not focus just on your own definition of success. And I know that sounds like a risk to you. This is what he's saying to the people. I know that that is actually making you very nervous to hear that because you do have concerns. You do have things that are on your mind. He's basically saying, I love you. I value you. I'll take care of it. This is the part where following Christ is a faith step. You have to decide is if he can take care of his creation, like we see because of how the birds are taken care of, like how the fields grow every year, every season they grow, and how the flowers bloom. This is the hand of God. Seasons occur. Are we willing to trust God and say, okay, you can take care of me as well? I'm going to take the risk of putting my energy to something else. 
your definition of success, Jesus, it doesn't make sense, but I'm, I'm willing because my own definition of success is leaving me empty. This is what's going on. This is, this is where Jesus speaks to our hearts. What are we using our energy for? And is it giving us really what we want deep down? What he's dealing with with the people then, the crowds, is the same that we deal with today. And the issue is anxiety, it, it is a faith issue. And we only have faith for today's worry. That's that idea in verse 34. There, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, uh, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That actually is, is like this awesome thought. And when he's talking about worry, this is kind of one of those things that Jesus kind of just makes sure you're listening. Because He's like, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry, I know what you need. And then like the third thing is, don't worry, because tomorrow is going to be even worse. Right? You just imagine Jesus and then like he just looks at the people like, Right? And people are like, wait a second, I'm like kind of worried about that. Like what you just said, that kind of freaks me out. What Jesus is doing is he's, he's, he's taking it further. Not just the stuff that you're concerned with today, but don't even think about the future. Because you don't know what's going to happen. But wait a second, I'm a planner. What about that? You can plan, but you plan today. We tend to think about the plans that we need to do three years from now. It's all in a balance where your energy is. That's where you're focused on. That's what's important to you. And that's where the anxiety comes. See, it's all, it's all connected. But as we choose faith, we realize that there's faith today to focus on today. And I'm going to use my energy to do life God's way. And that's in the different arenas of life. As you face work, you have to think, how will I use my energy to please God in the way that I work today? How will I use my energy to please God in the way that I treat my kids? And it's, it's, a, it's a faith step. We don't know what's going to happen. But if I'm going to bank on my planning versus Almighty God, I'm going to trust Him. Because he's come through for me personally. He's come through for those that I care about. So Jesus is drawing a line. And he, what, what will you do? And then verse 33, he kind of sets this all up. He builds all this, this tension, all these ideas. As he's defined what success is. Then he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So I want to close today talking about what does it mean to seek first his kingdom? I've heard that a lot. I grew up in church and sometimes there's things that are said that just kind of become cliche. Like even love God. You're like, yeah, I'm going to love God. And I'm going to sing a song about it. I don't have any idea what that means. It's the same with this, like seek first his kingdom. I'm going to seek his kingdom. What are you going to do? I'm going to like do that first. How are you going to do it? Where the kingdom is, I will be. What does that mean? So I just want to look through 
the flavor of that. It's in a passage in Second Peter 1, and it kind of walks through the, the type of person that God transforms. I talked about the transformation that happens. These are the qualities that God brings about. As you do life his way, this, this is what he hopes for us. This is what, out of the energy focused on building his kingdom, this is what he hopes will come about. And it says, for this very reason, and the very reason he's talking about is the power of God to change. Since the power of God can change you, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours, if this is who you are and are increasing, this is who you're growing to be. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you use your energy for the kingdom, this is who you become. And if this is who you become, that's the best investment of your ambition that you could ever have. Better than any career advancement. Better than anything you could just do alone with you and your family. God multiplies our efforts and he brings about this change. That's what it means to walk with God. What this means is daily we have to make a few choices. The first is faith over fear. Materialism, the energy that we have focusing on what we need, what we want. It brings about a lot of fear because we see holes like my, my budget needs to be here, but what I'm making is here. And in the middle is fear. But faith is Matthew 6, what we talked about. Like God will come through. A patient endurance. You're going to endure the hardship of maybe what you're facing. No, God's going to come through. That's what the flavor is there. The second is character over convenience. To seek first his kingdom, character needs to be more important than your convenience. Just pleasing yourself, focusing on yourself, your own goals, with your time, your money, the resources that you have. It's, it's not just about pleasing yourself. It's actually about building the character that we just read. That's the godliness. That's the virtue that was discussed. And then the third is people over possessions. These characteristics, that's the love and the, the brotherly affection that was listed there in Second Peter. Faith over fear. Character over convenience. And people over possessions. That's the flavor of what God does when you focus your energy on the kingdom and those priorities. Now, we're all at different places with kind of the picture of what we want our life to be and how we want it to turn out and what we want to use our energy for. But my question is, is, is faith and the peace that comes from that and character, things that actually last in the way that you handle yourself, how you treat others and actually having people around you that love you and you love them, is that of more value to you than your own success? That's the question you have to wrestle with. 
Because Jesus demands that you transform what your life is about. How you use your time, what you will invest it in. And if that sounds appealing to you, if there's a part of you that says, you know what? I've kind of been spinning my wheels over these goals and I'm not sure why these goals are important to me, but they are. But there's something about this of what Jesus is saying that is is appealing to you. There's something in your heart where you think, you know, I don't know how that works, what that looks like. But I'm interested in that. I encourage you, stick around. Come around this church. Get to know people. There's people that have made this choice with their energy and with their ambition of their life. And God has made a difference through them. And God has made a difference in them. But if there's a, this is appealing. This, this is what it means to follow Jesus Christ. It transforms the very thing you think you should live for. And the beauty is Jesus knows all that we've thought and all that we've done and all that we've thought is like success. And he just begins to change us. You don't have to figure this out before you come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and then he figures this out within you and he transforms you. This is the difference that Jesus made in my life. I'm actually building to something that will last beyond my life. That makes a difference on my kids. That Lord willing, as I train them, they'll train their kids. And Lord willing, if they have kids, they'll train their kids. That we have energy that we've been given and it's God-given. We have resources that we've been given and it's God-given. And we're going to use it to advance what Jesus is talking about. Something bigger than myself. So I encourage you, it's January 13th, take, take a moment. See, where, where are you? What is your energy spent on? If you really think about where your thoughts are, what you're focused on, what's like just weighing you down, just, just ask the question, where, where are you? And then ask Jesus, Jesus I, I'm not sure how to begin to change. Can you show me? And on your connection card, if you need help, uh, there's a place where you could ask what it means to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. You might want to mark that. If you need prayer, you might want to write those down. So those are a few of the steps you could take. I want to give you a, a few others as well. Um, as we close and the band comes up, the first thing is I, I need God to help me to daily choose number one, two, or three. In that last section, there might be one of those where the, whether it's the faith or whether it's the people um, pick the number that, that you see. You, that's where you need to focus. That's where you need to work on. Um, you might want to memorize Matthew 6 that talks about seeking first his kingdom. Uh, I encourage you to do that. Every day, look at it. Make a flashcard. Look at it and read it. And get it to your memory so it's right there so you can remember as you're focusing your energy. Wait a second. I'm supposed to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to me as well. As you get scripture into your memory, it changes your perspective of what you face. So I encourage you to do that. A couple other things, and this is just related to this church. If you want to get the word out and you're excited about this church and inviting people and allowing the community to know that here's a church here and there are people here that love Jesus and there's people that, that need him and there's people that have no idea that a church is here and they have no idea what the difference Jesus will make in their life. But if you're interested in, in helping get the word out, I encourage you to pass out door hangers. Uh, you can mark it on the connection card or uh, you can do some surveys 
That's a way to use your energy um, to help grow this campus. And I encourage you to do that. Uh, The last thing is maybe you just want to invite a friend. There's someone that you know that needs to be here, that needs to meet your friends, that needs to hear the truth of the scripture. So think through who you could invite, and I encourage you to do that. Let's pray together. God, I, I just thank you for the fact that you, you know that success is important to us and, and, and making a difference is really a high value to all of us. Uh, we want our life to count. And many times we're confused by what that is. And a lot of times it's by status, by who we know, or what we have. And, and here in this scriptures, you showed us that it's not about that. It's actually about doing life your way. Uh, seeking you first. And many times that does not make sense to us. Uh, we want to use our time and our resources for our, really our own kingdoms. And we confess that to you, God. We, we ask that as we surrender certain areas that we are just tied to, just we are concerned about and anxious about, as, as we release the energy that we spend focusing on that, God, show us the better way. Uh, make Matthew six thirty three just seeking first your kingdom. Make, make that really real to us. And uh, I pray for anyone that has not committed their life to follow you, that they'll take the step, that they'll take the risk in realizing that you will come through for them like you've come through for me, like you've come through for Ben and for so many people here. And we know that you are a faithful God. Uh, who walks with us. And so we we thank you, God, and and we ask for you to help our unbelief, uh, help our cynicism, our skeptical attitude, anything that's preventing us uh, from really being all in with you. And so we ask for your help in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.